Hey, welcome back to the podcast. And I'm so excited to introduce you to Pastor Kelly Westmark. And she's in Lincoln City, Oregon. Uh, did a, she's currently, uh, well, she did a restart. She's been there eight years now, so it's not a restart anymore, really. Uh, established church, and now she's starting some micro churches. And anyway, she just has a great story. And I think she's got to be one of the most positive people I've interviewed so far. Um, it's, uh, anyway, you'll just be encouraged to listen to her story. Uh, I want to make a couple of uh, comments about some of the things that we said. Uh, she references C.S. Cowles, at C-O-W-L-E-S. And he wrote uh, A Woman's Place, Leadership in the Church. Check it out in the show notes. I will have a link to the book so you can see that. Um, she also talks about Superbook, which is an app um, that introduces children to the Bible and has got some videos and stuff. So I'm going to include a link to that also. And, uh, oh, and then I'll include a link to her website. She has some leadership and discipleship videos on there that you can check out as well. Hope you will give her a shout out, find her on social media. I'm sure she's out there somewhere and follow her. And it's just a great reminder of we're doing incredible things for the kingdom uh, all across the globe. And all of our stories are unique and God redeems and uses every single one. Uh, and so I hope that as you listen to this, not only will you be encouraged, but that you might share this story with someone else, uh, maybe who has a call on their life or who is feeling discouraged. Um, I think we all have times where it doesn't matter how long we've been following God, we run into seasons where we start to question our call and are we really making a difference? Um, and, and each one of us are making a difference in such a different and unique way. Um, most of us, nobody will ever know our names, um, but God knows our names and the people who we are reaching for the kingdom know who we are and, and are glad that we um, are a part of their concentric circles of concern. So enjoy the episode. We really need to tell better stories instead of complaining about it, right? What if we right. just start telling the stories and really flood the airwaves with something different? I am doing well. Hi. Thank you. Fantastic. It was so nice to meet you at the F19 conference. Yes, I really, uh, it was really great. I wish we could have talked a little bit more, but it was still uh, good to chat with you just a little bit. And from the emails we exchanged, you're doing a whole bunch more stuff since I've talked to you last. Anybody wanted to receive Jesus and Steve immediately said, I want Jesus. Uh, I prayed with him. Uh, he, when we said amen, he jumped up and said, hallelujah, and started doing this, so this is like an eight-year-old man. <laughs> he shared a story over lunch that he was very idle and very depressed, and he said, since you guys have started the church here on Thursdays, he said, my whole life changed, like, the Lord has touched me, and he said, I just want more of it. Oh, that's wonderful. So, 
that was really encouraging. Yeah, how old is yeah. how old did you say he is? I would say he's about eight years old. Oh wow, okay. So you just started two new churches because you're pastoring what, like a traditional congregation? Yes, I'm pastoring. It's the Lincoln City Church of the Nazarene on the Oregon coast. I've been here eight years. Uh, when I got here, there were 12 people, the youngest being 69 years old, and they were ready to close the church and just looking for a pastor to bury them. Hmm. And I said, well, I'm not that pastor. And I told them I wasn't going to come here and be their pastor if that's all they were interested in. And, right. And I guess they talked to the district superintendent and said, we'll do whatever Pastor Kelly wants. We just want her as our pastor. So three months into um, being here at the church, I said, you know, what can we do in this community that would reach a need and, you know, be a part of our mission? And they all, like all 12 people said, we need to start a preschool. Oh, neat. And I said, well, yeah, I said, why do you want to start a preschool? I said, you know, you don't have kids or grandkids here. You know, they're all in the valley. Right. And um, they said, well, we think we can make a difference here, and we see the need here. And so uh, we had to raise a bunch of money that I had been ready to close 
Right. And they had changed their rewards program again, and I was able to get gift cards for my family for Christmas in the exact amount I would have spent on them anyway, and it was all like God just said, here you go, and gave to me, I think, you know, 10 times more than my little $1,000 gift. Right. Um, so the Lord blessed that, and then our miracle month came in the church where we had been praying and anticipating trying to raise $25,000. And that month, the church brought in $49,000. Wow. So we, we, you know, brought in like a whole year's income in a month just for this project. And got ready to build, you know, an add-on to the church. We were basically doubling the largest room in the church to try to, you know, make the preschool large enough to have uh, the kids. Right. And... It came, you know, groundbreaking day, and the mayor was here, and they said, oh, the mayor never comes to any church event, so this is really big. And I said to our unchurched contractor, I said, you know, we're going to be praying for safety for you and your team as you build. Uh, is there anything else we can pray for? And he said, yeah, pray that it wouldn't rain as we're building. And, and they were building over nine months on the Oregon coast where it rained nearly every day out of the year. Oh. You know, we're well known on in Oregon for rain. It rains all the time. And so I looked at him and I said, okay. I said, we will pray that it won't rain. And so I get our, our church involved in this. And I'm like, okay, you know, here's this unchurched contractor and let's pray. And there was one day I was driving down the Oregon coast. I had been up to see my, my parents kind of in my hometown that's 45 minutes north of me. And it was just pouring rain, big, huge raindrops. And I thought, oh, no, he's going to say, see, there is no God. And as I'm pulling up closer to the church, a block in every direction of the church is blue sky. And it is not raining one drop on our church. Wow. And I went to the contractor and I said, do you see this? And he goes, yeah, I see it. <laughs> and, you know, God was so amazing. And that happened two more times where it didn't rain one drop on our church oh, over nine months. Wow. And the day they finished and they said, thank you so much. The landscaper is coming tomorrow. And the landscaper came the next day. He planted grass seed. He said, now you need to keep this watered for the next 30 days. And it started sprinkling after that. <laughs> and for 30 days, the, you know, it was all watered. We didn't even have to water. You know, these 12 people started seeing that God's real, that he's got a plan, that he loves them. And it was it was just so exciting to be a part of God's handiwork through all this. Yeah, we, we got done with the building and started our preschool. And um, the first day we had one student. Oh. And, and I thought, oh, no, what have we done? Well, thankfully, I had just um, had a conversation with Dr. Keith Wright, who was the Kansas City District Superintendent, who hired me when I first started in ministry. And he's since moved to Oregon. And he said, oh, Kelly, 100 years ago when I was pastor 
Diego First Church. You know, they wanted to start a preschool, and so we started a preschool, and the first day we only had one student. <laughs> and, you know, he kind of got discouraged and thought, oh, is this really God's will and plan for us? He kept on going, and, you know, God provided everything we need. And, and we're now in our sixth year in our preschool and have just seen God provide above and beyond all we need. It's been so exciting. And for our 12 people who started the church, you know, I said to them, can God change the world with 12 people? Certainly he did, you know, with the disciples. And we have seen that over and over in this church. In the last eight years, um, we've had, well, including today now, 120 people accept Christ. Wow. Yeah, some of those have been visitors who, you know, come on, come to the coast on vacation. Right. Um, but we have just been so thrilled uh, to see the church grow, and, you know, now we're expanding. We suddenly started the Dorchester Microchurch in this um, retirement home, but there's a little town of 3,000 people just 10 miles away from us, and they don't have a church. And so about a month ago, we started a church there and have already started gathering, you know, people who live in the area. And they have been so thankful that we're there and just said, you know, we feel the Holy Spirit's presence here, that had goosebumps the whole service. So we're just really excited about the coming days there in that little community as well. Wow. Yeah. So and now, next year, we're hoping to start a Latino church wow. um, here in our church. We, um, about half of our neighbors who live right next door to the church, it's a, a Latino neighborhood. And so we've done some, like, movie outreaches and taco events. We just had a back-to-school festival where we brought in all these school supplies and, and gave those out. What was so exciting yesterday, this uh, Latino gal who, um, she and her family just came to church for the second time this Sunday, and she said the Lord had totally changed her life, and she received one of our flyers. She never came to the church, but they ended up watching the movie that we were advertising in their home, and she said it, it. strengthened their marriage. Their marriage had been falling apart, and now they're, you know, working on their marriage, and now their whole family started coming to church, and she said, I want to do something for the Lord. I want to be involved, and I said, well, would you be an interpreter for us for a Bible study? And she said, absolutely. She would love that. Anyway, this just happened yesterday, so I (laughs) need to call our Latino coordinator and and, you know, get some good recommendations for a good study. But I think we've got about 40 people already interested in starting a new Latino church. So that's really exciting. Oh, that's fabulous. So, you, so you're pastoring Lincoln Church in Oregon. And then are you also pastoring the two micro churches? I am. We, you know, those meet on Wednesday and Thursday, the different okay. ones. What's been so exciting is I have people in my church who stepped out and stepped forward, and they're willing to lead, um, you know, a Bible study or music during those services. And so if I need to be 
gone for whatever reason, or, you know, and busy in other ministry areas on those days, they have graciously stepped forward and um, fill in about once a month. So we, now you, you'll have, you're going to raise up leaders to pastor the Latino church then? What's your plan for that? The plan is um, we're looking at hiring um, Pastor Jose, his wife, and three kids who are currently in Mexico. Oh. And we're hoping he will start a church not only here in Lincoln City, but also in Newport, which is just 30 minutes south of us. Okay. We're going to kind of share him as a pastor and share expenses in, in helping him to be here, he and his family. So by 2020, we're thinking maybe 10 months from now, um, that we'll have a, a new Latino church here as well. So oh, all the outreaches we possibly can and, and, you know, build the core team for that ministry. So now how... I want to talk about a little bit about your call and how you ended up pursuing ministry and ordination. I mean, I know Jesus had something to do with it, but uh, did you grow up in the church? I did. So uh, my mom was the church secretary in uh, Tillamook, Oregon, where I grew up. And my dad had been a long time Nazarene. His dad was an ordained Nazarene pastor. Uh, I think in the second graduating class from uh, Nazarene Theological Seminary. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, some history in the Nazarene Church. And um, so I grew up in this church, and with mom kind of being the full-time secretary, I just loved Jesus from such an early age. And I remember taking all my stuffed animals to church, lining them up on the front row, uh, getting up on the platform and telling them all that Jesus loved them. Anyway, I just remember like that being such a precious time for me, not realizing God had this call on my life into ministry. And kind of as I started growing up and, and I got to be a senior in high school, there was a full-ride scholarship to Oregon State University for elementary education teachers. And I thought maybe that's, you know, what I should pursue because I, you know, I've never seen a female lead pastor. Um, we had a female youth pastor at the church, but anyway, at the time I, I thought, well, I need to pursue elementary education. So every time any, anyone would ask me, you know, what are you going to do with your life? Um, I said, well, I'm going to be an elementary education teacher. And I would get so sick to my stomach, like I was going to throw up. And I said, okay, God, you know, if you don't want me to be an elementary education teacher, don't let me get the scholarship that had basically been promised to me by um, two different board members who were giving out. There were two full rides and three students who applied for the scholarship. And the other two uh, students uh, one of them had dropped out of school, and uh, the other one, it, it just didn't look like it was very promising. And so they said, Kelly, all you have to do is show up. We'll give you a full-ride scholarship. Um, I just prayed. I said, God, you know, here it's been guaranteed to me to get one of these scholarships, but if you don't want me to be an L.A. teacher, 
you know, don't let me get the scholarship. Well, I didn't get the scholarship on graduation night. They announced the other two as the winners. And um, the next day we left on a Mexico mission trip with the youth group. And I was like devastated saying, God, what am I supposed to do with my life? Right. So the whole trip, we're just praying and, you know, because I'm leaving for college in three months, and I'm not sure what major to declare. And it was actually on the drive home from Mexico, and we made it back into Oregon. And we got a call from the senior pastor at our church who um, told our youth pastor that he was resigning that morning. And oh. that meant she would have to resign, you know, in our Nazarene church yeah. network. And then... He also wanted to talk to his two two of his sons who were on that trip to let let them know um, that they would be leaving, you know, our little hometown after they'd been there, I think, 12 years. And so our whole youth group, there were 70 of us in the youth group and bandfuls of teens, and they just started crying. You know, here we're losing our youth pastor and we're losing our pastor and the voice of God so clearly youth ministry and I said to my friends who were all in there I said guys I think I just heard God I think he said youth ministry and they just all started cheering it was like all the sobbing that turned to joy and they were all so excited they said Kelly that's it that's it that's what you're supposed to do and I at least at that point knew because we had a female youth pastor that that was possible Right. So I went to Northwest Nazarene University, changed my major to special ministries with an emphasis in youth, and pursued that. I um, got hired on a college church in Nampa as their first female youth intern, and they were recognizing a need for, um, for a female on staff. And I just had an amazing time working with this team and loved it so much. Well, in the process, I was Dr. C.S. Cole's um, teaching assistant and had been for a couple years and he taught the preaching classes and all these different things. And he said, Kelly, don't you see God calling you to preach? And I said, no, <laughs> I really don't see it. And he said, well, how about you apply for this um, submit a sermon for the, you know, senior sermon series, but there were three people from NNU who would preach, uh, there, there during the chapel services. Um, so I was one of those and I preached and then come to find out C.S. Cole's and he may tell everybody this, but he said, Oh, Kelly, that was the best sermon we've ever had, you know, at, at NNU and, um, anyway, won this preaching contest, and then all the religion professors said, Kelly, don't you see God calling you to preach? And I said, well, no, I really don't see it. <laughs> and they said, well, here's, here's a full ride to seminary in Kansas City. Go figure it out. And so I moved to Kansas City, and my first class I wanted to take was a preaching class because I thought, I, you know, I really need some confirmation. This right. Is, what the Lord's doing, and in that first, in the very first day, I knew without a doubt 
you know, God was calling me to preach. So I, you know, went through all three years of seminary, and um, I think I, you know, came in second place for that senior sermon series um, at the end of seminary, and I had um, 10 offers all over the U.S. and Canada to all these large churches, and I thought, okay, you know, Lord, I really just want your will, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, all these large churches look so appealing and have so many benefits and offers, but I just said, Lord, I just want your will. And um, Dr. Keith Wright of the Kansas City District Superintendent called me into his office one day um, and said, Kelly, I've been watching you through, through your school years. He said, I know you don't know me, but I know you. And he said, and I have a church for you. But I can't tell you where it is on the district. And I mean, we had all kinds of churches um, throughout the Kansas City area. He said it will be a restart church, and there's four people left in this church. And he said, if you would pray about it, he said, I really believe this is where God wants you to be. And he said, I want to send you to new church special churches. Right. So. And got the training to restart churches that God was calling me uh, to this little church of four people. And it ended up being uh, in the third richest county in the nation at the time in, in South Overland Park, oh. um, if you know the Kansas City area. Yeah. And uh, this church was in a refurbished barn. And all these multi-million dollar homes had been built around this barn that used to be in the country, but now was, you know, in this really risky area. Right. Sold the property and the barn and started meeting in a school. And um, anyway, in that ministry, I think 60 people came to the Lord in my four years there. And um, it was just so, so exciting to see God, you know, at work. Yeah. So thankful, um, you know, for for the kind of those skills to restart churches, which I think is why, um, you know, God used all of that for here in Lincoln City, where um, I've had to, you know, kind of restart this church and to be mission effective once again. So you, that was your first church was a restart. And then have you, have you pretty much been restart, new starts? all along throughout your ministry? Yes, yes. I did go home for a little while to Tillamook. Anyway, the Celebrate Recovery leader had asked me to please start a Saturday night service for Celebrate Recovery folks. So I started a service in this warehouse in town, and it ended up that there was a greater need to Celebrate Recovery and lots of people started coming to the service, and we trained a ton of people who went out as pastors and missionaries, and um, anyway, and that was all, I did that for five years before God called me um, down here to Lincoln City, so I had no idea that I would love new starts and restarts, um, but I just found it's almost like it's God's energy zone. Right. Uh, for me, of just seeing people come to Christ, my prayers, and Lord, may I see people come to Christ every month. 
And um, now my prayer is, Lord, may I see people come to Christ every week because we're seeing people come to Christ every month. That's been really uh, just a, a joy. Hey, uh, I was on your website and I saw that you had a little clip about um, a young girl that was baptized at your church and somehow she ended up on CBN. Yes. So what? So that, share that story. Yeah. So um, this little girl, um, she came to church with this like 80 year old retired vet who uh, lived on her road and and she is a blind, you know, veteran who gets picked up by another couple in our church every week. And, and he said to his little neighbor girl, um, would you like to come to church with me? And she said, well, sure. And she walked in that first Sunday. And um, I was teaching the kids Sunday school at that time. And she knew all the answers about and knew all the stories about Jesus, and I said to her, well, how many times have you been to church? She said, oh, this is maybe my first or second time. I, she said, I think I went once when I was, you know, five to church. And she was uh, a little bit older, maybe 10 by that point, I'm not sure. Anyway, she knew all the answers. They said, well, how do you know so much about the Bible? And she goes, oh, I learned it all on Superbook. And I remember Superbook from when I was a little girl. And I had no idea that it was still out there. Well, they've updated it substantially since, you know, I was a little girl. But um, she had found that app and had played all these movies about, you know, all the Bible stories. And um, she had actually pressed the little button to pray to receive Jesus. And here, you know, neither one of her parents uh, knew the Lord uh, they actually had some their own issues with drugs and right. different things. And so it was just miraculous. And so I wrote to Superbook to tell them this story. And I just said, I just want you to know that this little girl came to Christ uh, because of your app. And they wrote back and said, do you mind if we share that with our affiliate and, uh, that is CBN? Right. And I said, well, sure. And um, a couple of days later, CBN was giving me a call saying they'd like to come out and film this story. <laughs> so that was an incredible, incredible time. Oh, how fun. And then you got to be the one to baptize her? Yes, oh. she was so excited to be baptized. And our whole church was so excited for her oh, to be baptized. Okay. And her, her parents came and... And that was a pretty special day. They were really proud of her yeah. uh, for making that choice. So you've been to a lot of different churches. Um, is there anything in your ministry that you like? You wish you would have done differently or maybe a, something that didn't quite go as planned, and but maybe God was able to redeem it anyway? That is a great question. You know, um, in my first church, um, I married a seminary um, student who was a year behind me in school, and he and I got ordained at the same time we got married, um, a year into me restarting my first church. And, um, you know, things were great, so I thought, and it turned out he was really abusive, 
and um, attempted to kill me a couple times. Um, and thankfully, I had a great support network and was able to um, get out of that situation, um, get to some safety, right. you know, come back 1,800 miles away, come back home and heal from that. You know, I wouldn't change any of that, actually. I, um, I've seen God use my story to minister to, um, you know, one-fourth of women and one-tenth of men report being abused. And I've been able to minister to well over 100 people, uh, both men and women, who have been or are being abused. And I'm just, I'm so thankful that God redeems every part of our story. Right. Um, I had so, so many friends who said, Kelly, why you? You know, um, I came from a great family, uh, and but abuse, you know, knows no limits as far as education or, um, you know, race or where you live. It, it, you know, covers so many people. Right. I'm so thankful for for that hard time in my life because um, God used it and is still using it to this day. Right. Um, another difficult situation I've had in my life, my district superintendent, I think it was five years ago now, he asked me to be the prayer coordinator for the Oregon Pacific District. And the day he asked me was the same day my neighbor, who was a minister of Satan, moved in next door. I mean, like, and, he, was, like um, he was literally, like that's, he was... Like, he literally was part of the occult? Is that what you mean? Yes. Yes. Oh. And he, he even came over to my house and told me he was a minister of Satan, and right now he didn't have a congregation, um, you know, but he um, definitely was part of the occult. And, I mean, I, I could tell just by looking at the, at the man, you know, he takes a profile person, but he had tattoos from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. All of these evil creatures, uh, long black hair, always wore a long black trench coat. He had a box of medication delivered to his house every month. The UPS driver, who I've been friends with, said he'd never seen somebody receive so much medication. This man ended up, um, for two years, I, I did not get very much sleep because he would be in his backyard chopping wood uh, for a, he didn't have a fireplace, okay. but he was chopping wood doing animal sacrifice. Oh, goodness. And in the woods, right by our house, our, you know, our houses. And uh, one night, he actually tried breaking into my house as I was, I think I was downstairs watching a Hallmark movie, and he was just a few feet away trying to break into my house, and I called the police. I didn't know it was him at the time. Right. I just knew I was totally freaked out. Right. Absolutely. And, yeah, thankfully, all the police, I think, in the whole city came, and um, they issued him a restraining order from coming on my property. And um, thankfully, um, a few months later, he moved out. Yeah, it was a hard, you know, two years of... Um, I used all that time that I would be awake most of the night to just pray and, um, you know, pray for not only 
him and my safety, but pray for our city. Um, we have a, a high population of the occult um, here, and they're doing all kinds of crazy sacrifices in the woods. So just praying protection over my, my city yeah, and myself. But, yeah, God, God brought me through that, too. So That's interesting. I don't think um, of Oregon as being a place would be the seat of the occult or anything, you know, you think of other, you know, other places, but I don't think of Oregon. Yeah, so yes, there have been hard times, but, you know, thankfully, kind of stay faithful and stay in the path, and God brought me out of so much. I feel like, you know, the enemy has just tried to discourage me and take me out so many times, but God has been so faithful, and... You know, the Psalms of David walked me through so many dark nights um, and encouraged my heart like nothing else. And it was just the strength of the Lord that he was giving me for each and every moment sometimes. So I'm I'm just so thankful to kind of have those things behind me and, and also know whatever lies in the future, God, you know, God will be with me. Yeah. In thinking about some of those difficult times, you know, with your spouse and then with your neighbor, and, and I'm sure there's been others also, as you, there's going to obviously be discouragement anytime we're trying to start or restart churches. But what's been your, you know, the best way to just to keep yourself encouraged, to keep your eyes fixed on God? What are some of the practices and things that you do that, that help you to stay encouraged? Um, spend an hour every day with God. Like that's one of the first things I do in the morning. And that has absolutely strengthened me. Um, There were years in there of um, times where I would spend three hours a day with the Lord. I was reading from um, John Wesley. He said he didn't trust any pastor who didn't spend four hours or more a day with the (laughs) Lord. I thought, wow, four hours. How in the world? You know, but that has strengthened my heart so much as the Lord, you know, has encouraged me in those times. Um, I do that. I also keep my Sabbath Friday really well guarded and protected. That's good. Hey there. Hi, Joanne. Sorry about that. That's all right. Um, I'm not sure what happened. That's all right. I I think that uh, Satan just is wanting to have fun with us today. Either that or technology. Right. Yeah. Oh. So you were talking about your Sabbath. We've been talking a lot about this in some of our some of my um, just groups with peers and what Sabbath looks like for us. So. Friday's your Sabbath day, right? Yes. um, So what does your Sabbath kind of look like? I'm sure it's different all the time, but... Right. I completely relax on Friday and just, you know, it's my one day to kind of sleep in. I try not to do laundry or clean the house or, you know, some of those chore things. I just really try to enjoy it by maybe going on a hike or taking a walk on the beach or um, I love quilting or, you know, this time of year baking has been really fun just to kind of slow down and relax and enjoy the day. Um, Sometimes watching a a good movie. I love my Sabbath and I um, really try to protect and and guard that. 
have enough energy throughout the week to accomplish everything I need to. Right. We've been, uh, one of the things I've been trying to ask everyone who comes on the podcast is you know, just to share some advice, um, things, something you would share with someone who either, you know, has a call to ministry and is kind of wrestling with that call and saying yes, um, or maybe uh, a woman who has already accepted the call and she's just in a place of discouragement. What words of advice or wisdom that you would share? So I encourage, you know, people who are just starting out just to try every type of ministry they can. So I even encourage people, hey, start by just going down to your church and cleaning the toilets. Right. Um, you know, because that's kind of the job nobody wants, but it <laughs> has to be done. Or, you know, teach a Sunday school class or preach at a retirement home or start a small group. Um, maybe call a pastor and, you know, offer to buy them coffee for an hour of their time and just, you know, ask questions. And I always encourage people to study all that they can and learn everything they can, not only about theology and God and the Bible, but just to really grow deeper in their faith and in their walk with God and be intelligent, right. you know, in that. Uh, you know, for the, the woman who has uh, been turned down or been discouraged, I just, you know, want to encourage her to not give up and... You know, God, God has a plan, and there's an opening somewhere right. um, that that will be just the right. Sometimes, even I think about, um, you know, women may not feel comfortable starting or restarting a church, but if you can get the, that training and see if that is the area God has gifted in, gifted you in, then it's so worth it. It's so worth it. I just I encourage everybody to get all the training they can because I think it helps. You know, God uses every uh, class or experience we have to help us to be more effective in ministry. So I just encourage people to not not give up and keep going. Yeah, absolutely. Um, has there been um, maybe a, a story? I'm sure there's probably multiple stories, but a meaningful moment in ministry that's just kind of stuck with you for, you know, for a while, some way, a way God that yeah. used you to, in a situation. God's just been so good. I think, you know, I think of all the people who have accepted Christ and been baptized and have been discipled and are now, you know, in ministry and serving the Lord, you know, those are experiences and times you know, I'll, I'll never forget. Right. When I was um, a high, high school senior, and God had asked me to, for my senior project to do a rally, and I had no idea what a rally was. It ended up, my mom, you know, said, well, why don't you call the men for Christ leader uh, in our little town? Because I think he might know what a rally is. And so I called him, and he said, well, it's where we bring in a Christian speaker, and a Christian music group, and um, we invite, you know, all the teens in town, and then we do all-night skating, bowling, pizza, and a movie, like, all night long. Um, the Lord helped me kind of organize this team of about 70 people to organize this event, and we had, I think, 16 people gave their hearts to the Lord, 
and 34 rededicated their lives to the Lord. And from kind of the group of 70 people, we had 12 people who were called into ministry from that time. And, you know, that was an experience I'll never, never forget. I've also seen um, there was a a little baby who had been born um, breech and, you know, come out not breathing. And I got got called into the hospital for that. It was a grandson of one of my brand new Christians in the church. And she kind of pushed me through the doctors and nurses and just said, pray. And I'm looking at this little baby. And the baby is purple, um, not breathing, hasn't been breathing for an hour. And they're all like around this baby trying to get this baby to breathe, all these things. And the mouth on this baby had grown huge, like taking up most of the face as, you know, this little boy is trying to get an ounce of it. Well, I, my face kind of shrunk to a mustard-sized face at that point because right. I think my face tends to be a lot bigger than that. And I, all I had was the face to just say Jesus. And when I said Jesus, that little boy took this huge breath and started breathing like rapidly after that. And all the doctors and nurses said, what happened? What happened? And they were all running around saying that they're like, there's a one in 4,000 chance that baby should be alive. Right. Like, I just witnessed a miracle. And the, the hand of God upon this baby. Now he's four years old. So. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's fabulous. Just witnessed so many miracles. You know, people coming back to life who were dead there was a, another woman who um she was about 75 at the time and she had just had several surgeries and was in the icu and i went into visit her every day a few minutes and i walked into the icu and the nurse said oh pastor kelly i'm so sorry she she just died and i'm like no i said she can't die she's my substitute teacher for preschool and um, yeah. because if Irene doesn't come, that means I need to teach preschool. And I thought, oh, college level, I'm not a preschool teacher. So I go into her room where Irene was. They hadn't come to get her body yet. I guess this had just happened. I'm just like looking at her, and she sits up in bed, and she grabs my hand, and she's looking over my shoulder, and she said, Kelly, Jesus is alive. He's alive. He's alive. We have to go tell everybody. And then she laid back down and all the doctors and nurses were like, what just happened? Anyway, that was five years ago. And she's still filling in as our substitute teacher. <laughs> well, you've had yeah. some fun stuff. Just seeing God work so, so many times in so many, you know, really miraculous ways. When I got to this church and I thought, wow, I'm not sure they actually expect a miracle. And um, so it's just been so awesome to see people um, pray and expect a miracle and then to watch God just work beyond our wildest dreams um, of seeing people healed and on and on. It's just been a wonderful, wonderful time. What a great ministry. So how long So how long have you been ordained? Um, I was ordained in 2005. All right. Um, on the Kansas City District started, restarted the dying church there in 2003, right after I graduated seminary. Fun journey with the Lord. Every day is an adventure. 
Yeah, sounds like it. Uh, getting ready to close. And just is there anything else you would want to share? Um, we're starting to get more and more people listening to the podcast and men and women. So uh, anything else you want to share? Oh, Joanne, I just want to thank you so much for this opportunity. And I loved meeting you at that conference. So thank, thank you for serving the Lord in this way. I know it's an encouragement to all your listeners, but beyond. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, hopefully we will connect up again at another event, or maybe I'll be in Oregon and come sit in your service, you know? Oh, we'd love to have you. Anytime, yeah. come down and we'll have you preach. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, and here you preach too, so. Uh, but we, you've got uh, a website, right? Yes, I just started a website. It's uh, kellywestmark.com. It's Kelly with an I. Hmark.com, and I started that website. Uh, the Lord kind of led me to do that a couple of years ago, so I've been recording videos for um, the last couple of years, and it's just really a website to encourage um, pastors and you know disciples in Christ to to grow and um, to know they're not alone. Right. Too, just short little. It has short little videos with just little clips of um, leadership and the Bible and different things God's taught me along the way I just want to encourage people with. Well, I'm going to include that in the show notes so people can hop on over to your website and check some of that stuff out. Well, thanks again for taking this time and and uh, bearing with me as we've had some technical difficulties. <laughs> oh, no worries at all. I, I'm so thankful for you and all that God's doing in and through you, Joanne. Oh, thanks, Kelly. Well, I appreciate what you're doing for the kingdom and especially the research.